0: Let's all stand together. We're going to read several verses here of Revelation 15, and we're in our series, What Is to Come, and we're getting actually towards the end of the series, and uh, towards the end of What Is to Come, and so uh, we I think we have three or four messages left here, and uh, I'm looking forward to preaching all of them tonight. We're going to be talking about the seven vials as we uh, get into this section here. We understand that God is uh, now going to pour out His judgment upon the earth. And so Revelation 15, we're going to read. It is really uh, the interlude to that, so let's read that together. Revelation 15, we're going to go ahead and read all eight verses, so if you'll follow along. And I saw another sign in heaven, John writes, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. We're in Revelation 15, verse 4. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For Thou, For thou only art holy for all nations shall come and worship before thee for thy judgments are made manifest and after that i looked and behold the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open and the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen and having their breasts girded with golden girdles and one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of god Who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with the smoke of the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. We now see as John sees, he is narrating what he sees in chapter 15. It's a short prelude to the last of the seven plagues of the earth, the seven vials. He notes in chapter 15 several things. He sees the sea of glass that we read about in Revelation chapter 4. If you read chapter 4, you will notice that the sea of glass is uninhabited, but now it is full. It is described as crystal clear and fiery, representing the fiery trials of those who now occupy it. These occupy, occupants have come out of the great tribulation victorious, victorious, They have overcome the beast and his image. They have overcome his mark and the number of his name. Now they have harps and are getting ready to sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. John looks past them and he sees the tabernacle of testimony, the heavenly temple. Out of it comes the seven angels clothed in priestly garments. With them they are carrying seven golden vials. Behind them is the temple filled with smoke that is now symbolizing the judgment of God. Then we get to Revelation chapter number 16, verse 1, and that's where we're going to spend the evening is in Revelation 16. Would you read verse 1 with me of Revelation 16, and then we'll pray. John says, that I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. The time has officially come for the end The end of the earth, the end of humanity, the end of sin, the end of Satan. So before we look at these last seven vials, let's pray tonight and ask the Lord to give us understanding. Father, I pray that you bless the message now. Help us, Lord, as we study these verses. Open our understanding. Help us to retain and remember what we learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So tonight we're going to go through the seven vials and see what the scriptures say. And there's a few points that I've made on each vial. We understand that the seven vials are coming out of this seventh trumpet. If you remember the illustration of the firecracker that goes into the sky, the seventh trumpet explodes, and out of that are the last of the judgments of the earth, the seven vials. In Revelation chapter and chapter 11, we see that God has uh, transformed the way he's dealing with the earth, and he's literally taking away from the earth The ownership he's taking away from Satan and his demons the ownership uh, uh, or any sort of uh, uh, claim that they have to the earth and God is now transferring over ownership to Christ all of this is happening within three and a half years because remember we've already reached the halfway point of Revelation and now where God is now bringing upon the earth these plagues these seven plagues so number one here let's talk about the first vial And you'll notice as we go through these vials, you'll notice a a comparison or similarity to the plagues of Egypt. It's interesting. So the first vial we see here is the grievous sore. Look at Revelation 16. We read verse 1. Now look at verse 2. And the first went, the first angel, and he poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshiped. His image. If you remember what I said the last several weeks, that the mark of the beast will not be something that is uh, that is deceiving. The mark of the beast will be a very conscious decision. It'll be a decision for death in either direction. Either you will choose the mark of the beast and you will get to live for several more years or at least until... Uh, you, if you somehow avoid a perishing in one of the vials. But you will live several more months or years, and then you will suffer eternal punishment. Or you will reject the mark of the beast, and you will be martyred by the beast. And then we see the sea of glass for all of those who rejected the mark of the beast and are killed. And so we see here that these vials are being poured upon the earth and so we see these vials and their contents, by the way, are to be taken literally. They're to be taken literally. I remember when I was a young boy, I uh, was with my dad, and uh, we went over to this guy's house, and we were buying their their uh, couch, their couch. And so we showed up at their house, and we were getting this couch, Brother Asprelli, and we, we walked into the house, and somehow the conversation was, you know, we're Christians, they're Christians, and the guy told my dad, I don't know if my dad knew this guy or not, I'd have to ask him later, but... He said, Hey, I want to show you this, this mural that I have. And so we walked into this part of his house and I'll never forget there was this large wall with this very intricate mural painted on the wall. It was all this different symbols and verses and all. It was like a, it was like kind of like a history, uh, mural. And then the guy began to explain to my dad and myself, and I was just a teenager at the time, he began to explain how the Bible actually is an allegorical account of what's happened in the past. Revelation, especially, so all of these things that we're reading about have already happened, and he started explaining. So this is the first vials when you know uh, uh, this country conquered this country. And he's going through this whole thing about how uh, everything in the book of Re- and there are people out there that actually think that these verses are an allegory to something in the past or an allegory to something in the future. But no, these vials and their contents are to be taken very literally. They're not in an allegorical uh, way at all. They're not. And so much like the plagues of Egypt that were judgments, real judgments of God upon real men, these vials that are poured upon the earth are the judgments of God upon real living men and women upon the earth. And so the first of these vials is actually a personal judgment. We see it is felt by every human being, the grievous sword. These plagues or these plagues of boils, if you will... There are sores. They are a nod to the Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian plague in the time of Exodus, in chapter number nine, when the sixth plague was issued upon Egypt because of the hard heart of Pharaoh. And what do we have here uh, but a bunch of people on the earth with very hard hearts? It's interesting to note that when a boil or the sore comes upon a human being, it's usually caused by an infection in the bloodstream. The boil or the sore is caused by corruptness in the body's system. This sore that appears upon the bodies of men, they appear as an outward, an outward showing of an inward corruption. These boils upon the bodies of men uh, come upon the men who have hearts that are corrupted, corrupted by their own wickedness, by their own decision to follow the beast and to worship his image, like the boil. Uh, many men today suffer outwardly sometimes because of something going on on the inside. And may I just say that the Bible does say that sin is pleasurable for a season, but be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also what? Uh, be not deceived. Be sure your sin will find you out. And so we, we, in Christ, we stand forgiven, but with sin, with the corruptness of sin comes uh, outward punishment, outward things that happen. And we need to be careful about that, not to have anything, not to have any sort of corruptness in our heart. Now listen, I sin every day just like you do. And all God's people said, we all sin. But well, we ask God to forgive us of that sin. We'll cleanse us from unrighteousness, and we we try to keep close accounts with God. We don't want to have any secretness or corruptness in us. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Be sure your sin will find you out. What my grandmother used to say, garbage in, garbage out. And remember to keep yourselves clean on the inside and out. And so this boil, it's a personal judgment that's been poured out. Nobody's going to escape from the grievous sore. Let me give you the second vial here. Number two, we see the sea of blood. Look at verse three. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. We saw in the third trumpet now, this was a few weeks ago, we saw in the third trumpet that one third of the sea became blood and one third of the creatures in the sea died. Here we see the entire sea is affected. Some scholars believe that a third of the sea before and the entire sea now is referring only to the Mediterranean Sea because those are the shores of which Babylon sits. But I don't necessarily think that. I think that with God, there's nothing impossible. And certainly the entire earth, the entire ocean could be turned into blood. And what an incredible, what an incredible judgment that would be. My wife and I uh, went down to Taylor Perez's. And by the way, congratulations to the Perez families. Taylor and, and Kenny were married this past week. And Kenny's in the military down in uh, San Diego. Congratulations to those two. And uh, getting married young. Amen. Have those kids young, get them out of the way. And that way, when you're older, you have energy to have, still have some fun in your life. But anyway, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but anyways, congratulations to them. But we were down there, and uh, I tell you, I love to fish. I don't know if I've mentioned that, uh, but I, I enjoy fishing. So my wife and I, we went out to dinner, and uh, we, man, we got a nice spot right on the ocean. It was beautiful. I get fish and chips whenever I go to the ocean. Even though I can get fish and chips probably in Modesto, I get fish and chips when we go to the ocean. And so I'm sitting there, I'm enjoying that. And uh, we kept seeing people walk by the restaurant on the pier with fishing poles. And my wife knew exactly what was going to happen. She goes, "Do you want to go watch them fish?" I said, "Yes, ma'am." And so after we ate, uh, after we ate our dinner, we walked down the pier there, and I'm watching people fish, and and it was just a neat experience watching them pull up little mackerel and all this stuff, watching them fish in the ocean. I wish I would have brought my pole, but anyway, uh, watching this stuff. The next day, we went back to the uh, to the same pier during the daytime, and we were standing on the pier. Looking over, it was nighttime, we couldn't see, but during the day, you can see the water there, and you could see thousands and thousands and thousands of fish. I mean, these tiny little feeder fish. Some of them were two or three inches long. Some of them were a little bit bigger, probably mackerel and, and uh, different kinds of fish in the water. And we just, when the sun was just right, you could see thousands of them just in the water. Can you imagine that when the, the sea is turned into blood, all of those fish are gonna die? I don't know if you've ever smelled the dead fish. It's not fun. It's not fun. I went fishing with the staff the other day, and and uh, I forgot that I left a bag of sardines in my cooler, sitting in the sun outside. Now, and it was several days, and so I remembered in the middle of the night. I'm like, I'll up out of a dead. Stew. I'm like, oh, I gotta get those those sardines out of, and boy, I opened that baby up, and I want to tell you something, that knock you flat on your back, bro. I'm just, woo, I opened that up. Can you imagine the earth covered, uh, washing up onto the shore, dead whales, dead sharks, and, and and dead, I mean, everything, and the smell, and, and uh, it's just going to be an incredible, incredible judgment. Number three, we see the third vial as the rivers are turned to blood. Look at verse four of Revelation 16. And a third angel poured his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water, and they became blood. And I heard an angel of the waters say, notice that's interesting. I heard an angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because thou hast judged thus, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to what? Their drinking water's been turned to blood. Thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy, and I heard... Uh, another out of the altar, say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Of course, this is a repetition of the first Egyptian plague. In Exodus chapter number 7, not only has the salt water been turned to blood, but also the fresh water, the fountains, drinking water has been turned to blood. I think it's interesting and worthy to note that in verse 5, the statement angel of the waters is made, which gives us a clue here that Even that some angels are given divisions of nature to manage. Interesting. The angel of the waters. And notice this, that when God judged the waters, the angel said, thou art worthy. And I just thought about that. Sometimes God judges things in our life and allows things to happen in our life. And may our response be the same. Thou art righteous, which art and wast and shalt be. Uh, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I think about Job. And think about his wife. And his wife, uh, these terrible things that happened to Job. And his wife said to, to Job, curse God and die. How often have we, we, God is allowing something to happen that we don't understand. That we can't wrap our brains around God. I've prayed for this over and over again. God, I'm asking you for this. It doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't answer this prayer, God. And so sometimes if we're not careful, we'll judge God. And like Job's wife, curse God and die. May we never do that. But maybe we respond, O Lord, that which art and wast and shall be. We see the fourth vial, number four, the scorching heat. I'm pretty sure uh, the angel poured the fourth vial upon Stockton and Modesto and Manteca today. Just kidding. Look at the fourth vial. Look at verse eight. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire, and men were scorched with great heat. And blaspheme. Notice this. And blaspheme the name of God, and blaspheme the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. Earlier in Revelation we saw in the fourth trumpet that a third part of the sun was smitten, a third part of the moon and the stars, and and a third part of them was darkened, they showed not, for a third part of it, the Bible says, But here the sun is not diminished, but the sun is intensified. The entire earth felt like Phoenix, Arizona. Just kidding. It reminds me of Malachi. Behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. And all the proud, yea, and all they that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. We were driving home on the five yesterday. And uh, just past Santa Nella... Between here, Santa Nella, and here, if you've ever driven on the five, there's a lot of ro- rolling hills, and those hills are just covered in this this uh, this this amber uh, 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 weeds. I mean, they're probably you know a foot high or so, just perfectly covered in these this this stubble, this grass. And this one section we came upon, it had burned. I mean, the whole the whole side of the mountain was just black. It had burned at some point. And you could see the fire line where they had dropped from the helicopter or whatever they had. The red stuff was on the ground where it stopped the fire. But because it was stubble, it just, it burned up in an instant. And, uh, anyways, uh, we, uh, we notice here that men are going to be burned up. The Bible says as stubble, as stubble, just like that, uh, they'll be burned up. And so we see this amazing plague though. Even though men are being burned up, the Bible says they will continue to blaspheme the name of God. Then we come to the fifth vial. We see the darkness. Look at verse 10. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the sand, uh, excuse me, upon the seat of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness, talking about Babylon. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. You say, why do they gnaw their tongues for pain? Because of darkness. I'll get to that in just a moment. And blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not for their deeds. You see, the sores that they have have not gone away yet. The sores are still there. The burning from the sun is still there. The blood is still there. Not like Egypt where these plagues went away, but these plagues continued. As Joel says in chapter number 2, verse 1, he speaks of the day of darkness we see here Christ also mentions this day in Mark chapter number 13 verse 24. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. These vials are poured successively, either or nearly overlapping one another. So as these men are still suffering with their sores, as they're still uh, trying to uh, deal with that, God sends the blood. Uh, to the ocean and the blood, to the drinking water, God sends the darkness. And so they are in darkness. They cannot see to dress their wounds. They have no clean water to dress their wounds. They have no water to drink to to help them with the heat from the sun. And these, uh, imagine with me, as they're gnawing their tongues for pain, all of this suffering, still no repentance. The heart of men continues to be evil in the sight of God. Then we see number six, the sixth vial. Now, this is a several verses here, so just follow along as I read. The sixth angel poured upon his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. That's an interesting verse. We'll talk about that in a moment. Verse 13, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come up out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth, and of the whole world, to gather them, the kings of the earth, the kings of nations, to the battle of that great day of God Almighty, talking about Armageddon. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. This is interesting here when we get to the battle of Armageddon and where it will be fought. The kings of the east will have to make their way to this location. And so the Bible says that Euphrates is dried up and many of these kings of the East, it will make it easier for them, uh, to bring their, their hordes of, uh, wicked men and their, their, their tanks and their, all of the things that they're going to use during this battle. And they, God makes it easier for them to get to the location for this final day of infamy. Before the last vial here, we see it, Revelation 16, 13 through 16, these three unclean spirits go throughout all of the world out of the mouth of the beast. And these spirits are not ordinary, uh, these are not frogs like you would think, but they are they are they are the, the devils and the demons and and those that are controlled by Satan himself. Their duty is to gather the kings of men from the whole earth into one location for the battle of that great day of God Almighty. These are seducing spirits. That Paul warns of to Timothy. These are those preaching the doctrines of devil, devils, and they are sent out by the satanic trinity, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Clarence Larkin said this of these frog-like creatures. I thought it was very interesting. Here's what he said. These frog-like creatures come forth out of the pestiferous quagmires of darkness to do their devilish work in the evening shadows of man's day. They creep and croak and defile and fill the ears of the nations with their noisy demonstrations until they set the kings and armies of the nations in enthusiastic commotion and movement towards the Holy Land to crush out the effort to establish the kingdom of Christ on the earth. You see, if you remember back in Revelation 11, God has began to transfer authority over to Christ and the kings of the earth want nothing to do with that. Sometimes today in 2020, I look across this world, and, and I look even across our own country in, in America and in California, and I think to myself, how can mankind hate God so much? I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of what's happening today, and you might disagree or agree with me, but I think a lot of what's happening today is a direct attack against God, against the church, and against Christians, a direct attack. And so we see here as, as man hates today, man hates God. They don't want to have anything to do with God. They either hate God, Brother Asprelli, or they are indifferent to God. And so we see that all around us today. And if, if you're like me, you'll say to your, in your heart sometimes, "What? Why, why? Why does man have such a hard time? Why has man believed such an incredibly uh, ridiculous lie like evolution? An incredibly ridiculous lie that is so incredibly ridiculous. My wife was watching a special uh the other day or reading something the other day, and they're talking about I think it's Lake Titicaca in South America. It's one of the it's the highest lake uh, in that in that that region, uh I believe in South America, and it's a lake, it's way at the top of this mountain, and there's a lake up there. And uh and it's way I mean it's way up there. And the researchers, my wife, it was it was a special that she was watching. And these, these people are saying they're seahorses that live in this lake. Seahorses. Sea horses. Sea horses. <laughs> and so they're trying to figure out how these seahorses got into this lake at the top of this mountain. They're trying to figure all this out. And so something that they've come up with is that they were put there by aliens. And so, you know, <laughs> because how did these seahorses get there? And what's amazing to me that man will believe all these ridiculous things. Will believe all these things and come up with all all these things because they hate God so much. But the truth is, is that even in this last day, in this last hour, as men are being seduced by devils and demons to come together to fight against God, and then they will, their hearts will be enthusiastic towards, uh, uh, towards stopping Christ from coming. But the truth is, They will march directly into the winepress of God's wrath. Then we come to the seventh vial. We see the great earthquake. Verse 17 through 21. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thundering and lightning, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not seen, since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake And so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came into remembrance before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Remember the angel that flew in heaven and proclaimed desolation to Babylon. Verse 20. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. And men, again, blaspheme God because of the plagues of the hail, for the plagues thereof was exceeding great. It's worthy to note here that in the seventh seal, as was the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial, all three very similar things occurred in heaven. Voices, thunderings, lightnings, earthquakes. But the seventh vial, when it is poured, it is the greatest of all, and a voice is cried, a voice cries from heaven, it is done. Where have we heard that before? It reminds me of Jesus when he's on the cross and he lifts up his voice to heaven as he gives up the ghosts and cried, it is finished. But when Christ cried, it is finished, what was being finished? But it was our sin that was being paid for. Those who were born, anybody who's ever been born is a sinner, and when Christ died on the cross, our sins were forgiven, it is finished. Your sins and my sins are finished. And if you accept Christ as your Savior, the blood of Christ is applied to your account, and you can go to heaven And because Christ made a way for us. To go to heaven. It was finished on the cross. He paid for my sin. I said, he paid for my sin. And yes, I'm a sinner. I sin every day and so do you. But my sin is paid for on the cross. It is finished. I don't have to pay for my sin. Brother Gonzalez, I don't have to pay for my sin. Brother Russell, my sin is paid for. When I die, I will stand before Christ. And when he says to me, why should I let you into my heaven? The only thing that I can say is because of the blood of Christ. Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. Hey, some of you watching this video are still trying to pay for your sin. May I say, brother, and may I say, sister, you cannot earn your way to heaven because it is finished. Those of you that think you can lose your salvation, that you can walk away from your salvation, listen to your pastor tonight, or listen to me if I'm not your pastor tonight. When Christ said, it is finished, what he meant by that is you do not have to earn your salvation. It's already been paid for. Oh, what a blessing. It is finished. But then when God says it is done, what he means by that is those who've rejected Christ and said, I don't want that. I don't want your gift of salvation. Those who've rejected Christ, who paid for their sin, will ultimately pay for their own sin. And may I say tonight, for those who've rejected Christ, it may be for the first time, as you heard this tonight. It may be for the millionth time. But if you reject Christ, you will pay for your own sin. Is at this time that this great earthquake will level the mountains, destroy islands. It will change the contour and shape of the earth. It will divide this great city. Picture cracks in the ground the size of a city opening up and men and women falling inside. And, and, and as it's divided into different parts and Remember the angel, O Babylon, O Babylon, how art thou fallen? Then great hail will fall. This is the seventh Egyptian plague. One commenter One commentator said this about this, and I thought it was interesting. And listen, listen to this. He says this: It must not be forgotten that the seventh uh, that the seventh vial covers the whole period of time from the time that the seventh angel pours it out. The contents until Christ returns to the Mount of Olives. For the earthquake that splits the Mount of Olives, upheavals the land of Palestine, levels the mountains, submerges islands, and destroys the city of nations is caused by the touch of Christ's feet upon the Mount of Olives at the revelation stage of his second coming. I don't know about that for sure, but I know this. When Christ's feet touches earth, it's going to do some damage. Amen. (laughs) This chapter concludes with the pouring out of the vials, and this finishes the wrath of God. God's wrath is now complete. After, John, after this, John begins to foretell, and he begins to explain and document what happens to the enemies of God at this point. May I remind us all tonight that we are not just flesh, that we all have a soul, and our soul lives forever. There are religions that teach that when you die, your soul goes into the ground and that's it. You cease to exist. But the way that revelation and God explain things is that, no, our soul lives forever somewhere. And so we'll see what happens to these enemies of God, and we'll also see what happens to the saints that have died and gone to heaven or have been caught up in the rapture. So over the next few weeks or over the next week or so, we're going to, after missions conference, we're going to study about what happens To the enemies of God in a message I'm going to call the seven dooms, the seven dooms as we see uh, what God does with Babylon, what God does with the Antichrist, what God does with the false prophets, what God does with Satan and what God does with the followers of Satan, what God does with all of those who have rejected Christ and died without Christ. And we'll also talk about what happens to those who will uh, who have accepted Christ, or the church and the rapture. We'll talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll talk about all those things in a message that I'm titling, Seven New Things, a New Heaven, a New Earth, a New City, New Nations, a New River, a New Tree of Life, and a New Throne. And then we're going to study a little bit about the millennium, what happens then in the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's a lot more left to come uh, with what is to come in our series. But aren't you thankful tonight that you're saved? Aren't you thankful tonight that Jesus Christ said it is finished? On the cross, and you don't have to pay for your sin. You can accept Christ tonight, and maybe you're watching tonight. You've never done that. I wanna, I wanna just encourage you. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think sometimes as I'm writing these messages, how if I wasn't a Christian, I didn't know God, how crazy all of this sounds. It just sounds inc- It sounds fantastical. <laughs> but as you study the Word of God and you, you read about what God has done and what He is doing. It all makes sense. It all comes together. So I want to encourage you tonight, accept Christ as your Savior. It will be the best decision you've ever made.